Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. For those of you who are online with us today, including my own mother, happy Mother's Day to you. We're glad that you could join us and worship with us this morning here at Wood Evangelical Free Church. Uh, what a beautiful day to worship our great God and Savior together. So thank you for joining us. I'd like to begin as we um, come to God's Word. Let us turn to the Lord of the Word Himself. Well, let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we do come before you this morning and we just thank you for mothers. We thank you for the gift that they are to our lives. We thank you for your wisdom in placing these women there that, that taught us, that, that fed us, that changed our diapers, that did so much for us that we take for granted. But most of all, they, they told us about you. They instructed us on the truth. And um, for even those that are unbelieving mothers, they taught us, um, they taught us um, how to behave. They taught us what's right and wrong. And you put them in our lives to guide us that eventually we would be pointed to you and uh, you use them in various ways. And so we just give you praise for your wisdom in placing them there for our good and for your glory. And so uh, we, we thank you for them this morning. As we turn to your word, I pray that you would teach us today. I pray that you would direct our minds and our hearts, and our ears, that we would just be attentive to listen, that our minds would be engaged in what you have to say to us and how we can respond. And I pray that our hearts would be soft, it would be um, directed towards walking in obedience to you. And so, Lord, um, help us have tender hearts that we would listen to you and bring praise to your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray and ask these things. Amen. There's an ancient road that uh, extends through the nation of Lebanon. And if you follow the, the Nar El Kalb, it means Dog River. There's nothing fancy about it. The Dog River. If you go down the Dog River in Lebanon, uh, there's, there's this ancient road. And, and on that road, there's, there's a cliff face that was covered by shrubs and, and greenery for, for hundreds of years. And underneath all that greenery, there was a giant inscription that was written to the people of that land. It was an inscription that was made by the King Esarhaddon of the Assyrian Empire, and, and later on, King Nebuchadnezzar wrote alongside it. And King Nebuchadnezzar on that Nar el Kab inscription said, um, you're mine. You belong to me. I conquered you, and you better not forget it. And there with that inscription, he put an image of himself. King Nebuchadnezzar put this giant image of himself that got covered by greenery, covered by shrubs, and, and archaeologists missed it for hundreds of years. People never saw it, and people never damaged it because it was just not seen. Well, this last century, it became um, uh, visible when somebody pulled some weeds and pulled some shrubs out, and here was this giant inscription reminding everybody who was the king of Babylon and who they better serve. Along with that inscription, there was also a warning that if anybody touched that inscription and damaged that image, it was the same thing as assaulting King Nebuchadnezzar himself. And so Nebuchadnezzar basically said, don't mess with me. This is one of the things that the kings used to do is they'd put these statues or inscriptions on these walls along the kingdom to remind people who was in charge. In, in the same way, down in Egypt, in Egypt there was a, a similar practice. They taught that King Pharaoh was the image of the gods. And you don't mess with Pharaoh because he is the inscription that stands before all you. He's the living image of the gods. And so the Israelites were taught that they had to obey him. 
that they had to do what he said. And if he said jump, if he said make grip, bricks, if whatever he told you had to do, you better listen because he was the living image of the gods. He was their representative on earth and their life was in his hands. Well, God had some different theology that he taught the Israelites when they came out of, out of Egypt. And he taught them that it wasn't just Pharaoh that was made in the image of God. It wasn't just Moses and Aaron that were made in the image of God. But right from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, he teaches us that God created man in his image, both male and female. And so these Hebrews coming out of the land of, of Egypt that they had been captive and, and slaves in for hundreds of years were taught a new lesson that every single one of them was a representative of the living God. Not just the king himself that stood and, 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 and represented the, the gods of heaven, but every single one of us are made in God's image and we represent Him. And so we are to walk in a way that would honor Him, that would glorify Him. As people look at us, we, we are to represent Him to the whole world. Well, we've been looking at how that image in man has been marred. And, and how it was restored in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this morning I have a few things that have been on my heart as, as your pastor, as I've been considering what, it, what, what, what does it look like for DeWitt Evangelical Free Church, for those of us that are here as, as, as God's people who worship Him, what does it look like for the people who worship here to represent our great God, those that are made in His image? We've been considering this last few weeks our call to be image bearers. We're going to turn to some New Testament epistles this morning as we conclude this series on the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of man as we consider all of this from the concept of this shattered image. And, and then I'd like to try to just address some very practical implications of living out this renewed image within the context of, of our local church. As we considered what the Bible says about the shattered image, we looked at how the image of God was marred by sin when Adam and Eve fell from their perfect state. Mankind has been at war with God. Every one of us are at war with God because of our sin. Every one of us have inherited that sin nature and Adam's sin has been imputed to every single one of us. And completely unable to save ourselves from this sinful state, we became objects of God's wrath as we saw and we were destined for eternity, separated from this holy God. We deserve the punishment that were the wages of our sin. But God demonstrated His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God who loves us designed the perfect solution to this sin problem. We saw that He Himself took on flesh and He became our sin by dying on the cross. We were reminded last week that Jesus Himself is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus, the God-man, is Himself the exact imprint of God's nature. He perfectly represents the Father because Jesus Himself is God. And so becoming a man, Jesus was able to show us perfectly what it means to be made in the image of God. We saw how Jesus stepped into humanity and He became the image. And we noted that it's the image in the sense of, of bold it, put it in bold, underline it, capitalize it, circle it, uh, use italics. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so he wants us to know that what God is like, Jesus 
is the perfect ambassador. Jesus is the perfect representation of God the Father himself because Jesus is God. And as we follow him and as we imitate Jesus Christ, we are able to to more accurately and, and wonderfully represent the God that we were created in his image. But the New Testament reveals to us that there's, there's one more step that I'd like us to look at today as we conclude this series. There's one more step in God's great design to renew the image of God in us. Christ perfectly serves as this image, but we now have the privilege to once again be the true image bearers as we are being conformed to the image of Christ. And if you turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, we, we briefly touched on this last week. We're going to look at a few different passages from the epistles we saw in romans chapter 8 verses 28 and 29 where we're taught and we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose and then he says this for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son why why did he do that in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And, and so, according to, to Romans chapter 8, God in his great purpose for us, the same people that he foreknew, the same people that he predestined, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And so Jesus has led the way. And, and we've been adopted as fellow heirs with Christ. And, and now we are restored for, uh, to our position as those who are made in the image of God. And we're able to do so because, uh, because we now imitate Him. He showed us the Father, and, and the more that we imitate Jesus Christ, the better we are able to represent the God that we serve. Now, the word that He uses here when He says that we are conformed to the image of His Son, it's a, it's a word that you might be familiar with. Have anybody heard of morphology? Morphing into something? Metamorphosis? It all comes from this set of words, and this word sumorphos, it means to be similar in form, to have the same form as something else, to imitate something, to, to have the same nature as the one that's being imitated. It's the same words that's used in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, when it's talking about when we go to heaven. After this life is over and we are taken to be home with Him, uh, Paul says again in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, he says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. Who will transform. Same word that we see in Romans. He will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. And so we learn that one day our, our bodies, praise God, our bodies are going to be transformed. Is anybody looking forward to that? Anybody feeling that every day sometimes? Yeah, whew to be transformed into His glory. The glory of His, His glorious body. And so we will be like Him. And, and our bodies will be similar to His. Our, our form will imitate His. And so when we go to heaven, that, that transformation is going to take place. But that same kind of transformation that's going to take place when we move from this world to our heavenly home is the same kind of transformation that God is making in us now. And as you imitate Jesus Christ and are conformed to His image, that transformation is taking place today as we imitate Him and, and follow Him. Well, this same Christ likeness is also described in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you turn to 2 Corinthians 3.18, a couple passages back. 
or over. Depends on whether you're in Philippians or Romans still. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. There Paul is talking about um, uh, veils and glory, and, and there's, there's some really um, interesting figures of speech he's using, but as he talks about, about this veiled uh, face and this glory, he's, he's drawing the people's mind back to a passage in Exodus where, if you remember, Moses went up on the mountain, and, and Moses there spoke face to face with God, and, and, and God shared with Moses the Ten Commandments, and he shared with him the law, and, and they spoke together. Later on, he went into the tent of meeting, and when he went into that tent of meeting, there, there was this one-on-one interaction between Moses and uh, probably a pre-incarnate form of, of Christ. And, and there Moses was exposed to the glory of God. And when he came out of that tent, what happened? His face shone with, with glory. And so when he came out to the people, they said, please, cover, cover your face. It's too much for us. He had been exposed to God's glory in such a way that that, that glory radiated off of, off of him. And so he had to put a veil on so that the people wouldn't be so overwhelmed with the glory that was reflecting from Moses. And so Paul catches on that imagery and he, he's talking about this, this veiling. In verse 18 he says, And we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord. So similar to what Moses saw in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are beholding Him. Beholding the glory of the Lord and being, here's our word, transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now the word that he uses here, it's, a, it's the verb, of a, a synonym of the word we saw in Romans chapter 8. And this is our metamorpho-o. You ever hear of a metamorphosis of a, of a caterpillar? What's the idea behind that? Caterpillar climbs up into a tree, builds this cocoon, and it comes out a slimy mess, right? Uh, comes out as a... Don't shake your head yes. He doesn't come out a slimy mess, Isaiah. All right? Comes out a beautiful butterfly. We need to send this guy back to biology class. He comes out as a beautiful butterfly. And so this caterpillar is transformed into this glorious new creature. And that's the word that's, that's used of, of our transformation. We are metamorphosized, if you will, in 2 Corinthians, this imagery that he's actually using, is it's, it's from Exodus once again where Moses went into the tent and he came out and, and his face shone. And he reflected the glory of the Lord to such a degree that he had to put a veil over his face because it was, it was just too much for the people. And just as Moses reflected the magnificence of Yahweh, Christians are today being transformed into what? Do, we, do our faces shine? Do people, we walk down the street and everybody goes, wow, that person's kind of bright. You know, they've been out in the sun too long. What what does that transformation look like for you and for me? We're changed into the image of Jesus. We look more like God because we look more like Jesus. And so as you imitate Him, and as you as a Christian through that process of sanctification, you are becoming more and more like Jesus in the same way that Moses was was, was transformed in, in showing that glory and reflecting that glory of, of, of His God, Christians are today being transformed into the image of Jesus. But then in chapter 4, he goes on to describe some of the ways that, that this ministry is played out in our transformation. You see, when you came to know Jesus Christ, you were justified. 
He, he, you were legally declared righteous. And after that point, you've gone through this process and you were still in this process of sanctification. You were being set apart for His glory. You were being set apart for His honor. And we anticipate that one day we will be glorified as we will be changed and our bodies will be uh, with, uh, uh, depart from the presence of sin itself. But, but in chapter 4, he goes on to describe what this ministry looks like as, as this transformation takes place and our, as our sanctification takes place day by day. In verses 1-6, through six, he shows how we walk in this Christ-likeness by the way that we proclaim Jesus Christ our Lord. That, that when you go out and you share the Gospel with people, that that is part of that transformation. And you're becoming more like Jesus. And, and as you become more like Jesus and as you live out a Christ-like, life, it supports the Gospel that you're proclaiming to others even though they are, are blinded by, by the enemy in this world. In other words, we tell others of the light of the Gospel. In verses 7-12, to 12, he describes how, we, we, how we, this transformation, excuse me, we are transformed into the image of Christ. And this transformation is reflected not only in how we share the Gospel with people, but, but this glory in our lives. This transformation takes place in the process of your suffering. Anybody ever feel like you're suffering in this world? Ever feel persecuted? It happens. It's happening to, to all, all around us in this world. It's going to happen more and more in our lives as this world departs from anything that resembles uh, what honors our, our Savior. And, and Paul reminds the, the, the Corinthians and says, look, when you're suffering for Jesus' sake, that is part of that transformation. And God is using that for His honor and for His glory. That's part of that that change, that transformation. And through our suffering, others are pointed to the life found in Christ. And then through the end of the chapter, he continues to describe how we are being renewed day by day as we become more like Christ each and every day and as we look forward to the day in which we will enter His presence. One other passage I'd like to point you to in Colossians chapter 3. We've been there a couple times. And we're going to start looking at the book of Colossians over this next, in this next several weeks and months. So we'll be back in this passage again. But in Colossians chapter 3, God describes how the image of our Creator is renewed through the, this process of transformation where, where we set our minds on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And then, starting in chapter 3, verse 5, God commands us. And He says, put to death. That, that, those are bold words, right? What, is it, what does it look like to put something to death? I mean, you're killing something. You're killing something that, that, that has, um, typically has life in it. You're, you're taking um, something and completely destroying it. What are the things that we are supposed to put to death? Is, he, is this a hunting lesson? Is he telling us which, which, um, what's in season, what game we're supposed to go after? What we're supposed to put to death as believers in Jesus Christ, specifically, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality. Impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them. And so he's, here he's describing the sin which, which we've described earlier in this series and the wrath of God that we were under because of that sin. But it continues in verse 8, but now you must put them all away. Anger. Wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self 
with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. And so this renewing, being renewed in the image of our Creator takes place as we put to death the things that, that dishonor Him, as we put off the things that we are no longer to walk in, and as we put on Jesus Christ and put on the things that represent Him. And what a, what a glorious change that God has accomplished. What a glorious change that God has accomplished through the perfect image of the invisible God. The One who is the exact imprint of God's nature, Jesus Christ. We've seen that God created man and man was made in His image. Male and female, He made them. But sin destroyed that. Our status as His representative representatives continues continues but the image was was shattered and and like a shattered mirror uh, it distorts the glory of the one that it reflects our reflection of god's glory was marred beyond recognition ever walk into a a, um, uh, been down at the beach or up in a uh, maybe going by one of the rest stops and you walk in they have one of those really those really metallic mirrors and you're trying to to fix your hair and, and what do you see can't do anything with it, can you? Or maybe you walked in somewhere and the, and the glass has been broken and, and you see about 20 different images of yourself and you can't find the right spot that you're trying to comb. That image is marred, it's distorted. And, and in, with sin, that image in which we are supposed to reflect the glory of our God has been marred and distorted to such a way that it's, it's beyond recognition of what our God is, looks like. But thanks be to God who joined Himself to the human race and He became a man Himself. And thanks be to God that He was the perfect image, the perfect representation of God the Father, and the perfect substitute for our sin. And thanks be to God that He has renewed the image in those whom He has redeemed by His blood on the cross. By His grace, you, Christian, are His image bearer. And you reflect His glory as you are imitating Jesus Christ, the perfect image of God. And so what does it mean that, that you were made in His image? It means that God desires for you to live in a way that you are passionately pursuing a life lived out resembling the Maker whom you have been created to represent. You were created to act like Him. You were created to imitate Him. You were created to represent Him in everything that you do, in everything that you think, in everything that you say. As I mentioned at the start, I have a few things that have been on my heart as your pastor, and I've been considering what it looks like for DeWitt Evangelical Free Church and the people who worship here to represent our great God and Savior. What does it look like to serve Him as those who are made in His image? What does it look like for us as a local church as we are being renewed in that image? It was a year ago this Sunday, our church building uh, was being re- we, we reopened after we spent several weeks worshiping in an online-only format. Hard to believe it's been a year, hasn't it? We all had a lot of questions about what would come next, and, and none of us, I don't think any of us could have imagined what the Lord had in store for us over this next year. During those weeks apart, we'd spent a bit of time considering what it looks like for the church to be the church. And, and we were reminded... We reminded ourselves that, that our God is, is everywhere and our worship of Him will go on and it will flourish and we will continue to watch Him move and work and carry out His sovereign will in, in our world and in our lives. And when it comes down to it, the church 
the church never closed down, did it? Because the church isn't just, it's not a building, it's the people. The church is the people. And so by God's grace, the church continues to be the church today and we continue to live as those who are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. On the Sunday before we reopened the doors of the building, I I preached a sermon on the the one another passages throughout the epistles in, 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 in the New Testament. And we looked at several passages where the Lord commands us to encourage one another, to love one another, to outdo one another in showing honor, to bear one another's burdens, to show forbearance toward one another, to forgive one another, to be kind to one another. I I still don't see a lot of you giving one another a holy kiss every Sunday, but I I do see a few more George Dixon hugs going on and some hearty handshakes. We concluded that sermon with the challenge in application of these commands, and and I said this, I said, I'm so thankful that the curve has been flattening and our local and state officials are phasing in normal again. Little did we know, right? I'm eagerly looking forward to worshiping with you all in person as soon as we can. But this next phase is not going to be easy. There will be uncertainty. There will be disagreements. There will be confusion. There will be mistakes. There will be people who wrong you or offend you. Satan is like a roaring lion and he is seeking someone to devour. My friends, let us be alert. And as we anticipate these challenges, put on love. Put on patience. Put on humility. In the words of Colossians chapter 3, which we just looked at, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. We continued, and we, we said, choose forbearance. Choose forgiveness. Choose kindness and hospitality. Don't speak evil of each other. Don't grumble. Don't repay evil for evil, but confess your sins to one another. And instead of deciding that we have all the answers, let us start a different kind of competition. Let us outdo one another in showing brotherly kindness and honor. And may Jesus Christ receive the praise, honor, and glory as the church acts like the church and as His bride radiates with beauty for His namesake. That was a year ago. It's been quite a year, hasn't it? We're still trying to figure out what normal looks like. But, but once again, I'd like to remind you that the church continues to be the church and our, our, Lord, our Lord has never stopped being faithful through all of this. We still live with the expectation of our Lord's return. And, and I believe that, that we are so much closer to that moment when we will meet our Savior in the air and, and He calls us home. There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 10. It's just as relevant today as the day that, that its ink dried on that original scroll. In Hebrews chapter 10, it was written, let us hold fast the confession of our, faith, our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And my friends, the day draws near. We, we are created in the image of God and we are being conformed into the image of His Son. And so it is, it's important for us to consider where Jesus is leading us as a church. We have to ask ourselves some tough questions sometimes. Just like in our Revelation series, we asked you, what would Jesus say if you looked at DeWitt Evangelical Free Church? What would He say, hey, you're doing really good here. And, oh, we've got to work on this. How do we best represent Him? 
How do we live out this image in our lives as we are being renewed in that image? Where, where do we need to grow? Where, where are we not being effective? Are there places where, where people aren't being equipped and they're not serving and they're not using their gifts and the abilities that the Holy Spirit gave to them that the rest of the church needs? Where can we work together as a body better as we live out our calling to bear the image of God? With some of these questions in mind, I'd just like to share with you some things that, that we've been working on with our leadership. Something that we've been conversing about and talking about. Some of you came and talked to the elders a few weeks ago and, and shared some ideas. And, and so, you know, these are just some of the things that have been on our hearts and on my heart as, as, um, as we're looking at how God would lead us in being image bearers. Uh, many of you are aware that Dwitty Free is served by a group of leaders uh, on our board, of our elders' boards, and our deacons' boards, as well as our pastoral and office staff. And each one of our deacons and each one of our elders and pastors are responsible for overseeing various, the various ministries of our church. And so our, our, our children's ministry, our fellowship ministry, our buildings and grounds ministry. And, and one of the things that, that we've, we've not done well enough over over the, the past the past while let's say one of the things that we've not done well enough for a while now is is the development of of teams to work with those those different leaders we've been talking about that how can we as leadership uh work with others and I, i'm thankful I, I want you to understand first of all i am so thankful for these men that serve as our elders and deacons there, there are too many churches where where we hire a pastor or two or three and, and, and then the church just sits back and, and they wait for those paid ministers to do the work. And, uh, and then they wonder why those one or two people aren't, aren't doing enough. And I am so thankful for the elders and the deacons in our church who sacrifice their time and their energy to not only lead together and make decisions together, but, but each of those men lead and administrate different ministries here in our church and, and work with various people in our church. They sacrifice their time uh, and their responsibilities for that leadership but for too long we, we've been in somewhat of a pattern where where we've set each of those leaders to, to oversee their ministries but then we've let them carry the weight by themselves we said hey here's what you're in charge of go for it and and so since january one of the larger projects that we've been working on as a leadership committee is a development of different ministry teams our, our elders have asked each member of the leadership team, the leadership committee, to form a team of men and women who will share not only the weight of that ministry, but also the responsibility of, of the privilege of administrating each of those ministries as they, as they work together. So, for example, Doug, can I use, use an example? Is that all right? I usually do it, and I just, I just do it without asking, but I'm going to ask you today. Um, what's that? Oh, that's just for my family. <laughs> Doug said ice cream. I have a rule in my family that if I use my kids or my wife as an illustration, I owe them ice cream if I don't ask them ahead of time. So Doug has this idea that that's extended to everybody. So sometime, Doug, maybe I'll take you out. To, I'll take Zach out to ice cream. How's that sound, Zach? All right. We've been talking about imputation and, and representation, right? And so, so um, we will impute the ice cream treat to, to your son. Now you understand imputation, right? And so just as an example, uh, I really lost my place in my notes. I have no idea where I'm at here. 
Doug Hinkle is one of our, our deacons. He oversees our, our administration ministry and he also oversees our, our fellowship ministry. Um, and he's tasked with the responsibility uh, with the fellowship ministry uh, of everything from our Sunday morning fellowship time to uh, church activities and events, making sure that we have supplies for fellowship time. Um, and uh, the fellowship ministry is dedicated to building a community of, of biblical unity and oneness where believers share life together and we engage in caring relationships. But, but we don't want Doug to carry all the weight of that by himself. Um, so he has a team of others from the church who meet with him regularly. Uh, some of you are part of that team already. And, and they plan and they oversee all the different programs that fall underneath that fellowship ministry. And so my hope is that, that you as a congregation are going to see more of these teams helping each one of our elders and helping each one of our deacons as we work together and as we, in the, terms of, in the words of Hebrews, as we stir up one another to love and, and good works. And again, some of you may be approached by, by some of our deacons, by some of our elders, and they may ask you to be a part of those ministry teams. And, and I hope that, you, that uh, as you are asked to help with, with some of those, um, that you would prayerfully consider that opportunity. And then... Some of you also might be approached, and you might be asked to help with some of the different programs that fall underneath each one of those ministries. So maybe not the team that oversees the entire ministry itself, but there might be some different, different things that we do, like the children's ministry um, is kind of the overall ministry that oversees all of our different programs. And so Vacation Bible School falls under that, and, and Awana falls under that, our children's Sunday school. A lot of different programs, and, and there's a lot of people needed to help with each of, the, each of those, those programs that fall underneath the children's ministry. As, as all the other ministries. And so I hope that you're going to see those teams, not only those teams in place, but that you would prayerfully consider those opportunities. And that you would prayerfully consider where, where we have holes that need to be filled in, in a lot of those different programs. And, you know, Scripture teaches us that, that we are a body, and that body has many parts. And we need one another. And, and you are needed by the church. And God, God designed you to bear His image. And He's designed you with uh, unique gifts that, that you are called to offer as a contribution to, as, as you serve with and alongside the body of Christ. So again, let me just mention a couple examples where we've seen some, really, we have some great needs right now. Uh, and I'm just going to mention a couple. You know, praise God, he, He's blessed our church with children. Isn't that wonderful? They love kids. Sometimes we, we, they can be disruptive. Sometimes they can be noisy. Sometimes they can, you know, we'd rather they're, they're seen and not heard. Uh, children don't always do things the way we would want them to. That's the process of discipling them and teaching them and, and helping them to grow, right? And we're also supposed to imitate them and, and the kind of faith that they have. But children, uh, what a blessing that God has given to us. And, and it's exciting to see the children involved in our WANA program with people that aren't even part of our church family, but also on Sundays, the children that are here. But as new families continue to join us for worship, one of the areas where we really need a lot of help is our nursery program. Uh, right now, we have, we have 13 individuals who volunteer for Sunday mornings, which means that, that those 13 people are taking turns every six weeks. And... Uh, some of them are volunteering twice a month. I think Tammy Holmes is back there right now. I think she, she does sometimes twice a month just to take the burden off of some of the others. If we had 17 more men and women who were willing to serve in this way, 
then we would be able to spread that out and share in this opportunity. And each person would only have to serve once every three months. And just to think of, of the opportunity of sharing in that service together and what that would mean as we minister to young families. What that would mean as, as we minister to the people with children as our church grows and as we are continuing to, to help people grow in their faith. Another opportunity where we have a great need is in our youth ministry. Uh, Jared and I, uh, uh, you're not Jared, you're, you're his brother. I looked up and he's not there. Uh, Jared and I have been praying. And um, speaking of which, he's, I think he's taking care of one of his kids, right? So there's more of the children's ministry. But we've been praying about our youth ministry, and we're praying that perhaps the Lord would, would, would point us to a married couple within our church that would be willing to come alongside Jared and Stephanie and their team of volunteers to serve in our growing youth ministry. One other area of opportunity that we've recently had to look, uh, it's, it's been an area we've really had to grow this last year. I'm thankful for Jared helping with it a lot because he's got abilities that, that I have no idea. There he is right there. Uh, I have no idea w- what's happening, but, but it's happening, and, and I'm excited that, that it's an opportunity for ministry for us to grow in. And, and that's our online ministry. It, it's been so encouraging to see more and more of you able to join us in, in person, and I, I understand that the needs of every family are, are different, and for those of you that are online today, I, d- I just want, I know some of you are, aren't here because of health reasons, um, but, but you're worshiping with us here on Sundays uh, on our online format. I just want you to know that, that we're glad that you're here with us this morning. And we're glad that you're participating and, and that you were able, as you were able to with the church family. And I just want to express how much I look forward to seeing you face to face. And I know that you are as well. And this last year, we've had a lot of opportunities to minister to others in our online format. And so whether it's our website, whether it's our online services, our Facebook page, other different kinds of media that I have no idea how to use. I don't even know what they're all called. Uh, my kids pull stuff up on the phone. I go, I'm, I'm getting so old. Um, but those are opportunities that our church is involved in. And, and I'm very thankful for those of you that are serving in our video and our audio teams. Uh, for, uh, thankful for how you've adapted. Uh, I, I put a lot on Jason this last year uh, and just said, Jason, change this. Do, do something with this. We need video. We need our services. And uh, just thankful for how you guys have adapted to, to so many different things. Who would have thought that we'd be movie producers uh, a year ago, right? Um, but, but ministry changes, and the context changes. And as we reach out to new generations, that looks different. And, and, and ministry, um, those ministry, um, the way that looks, we have, we have to be, be looking forward and how we can meet the needs of, of the next generation. And as we're looking for others, uh, we're looking for others who have talents in these technical areas of service. And maybe there's another hole that you'd be willing to come alongside us and, and serve and use the gifts that God's given to you. But I'm thankful, I'm, I'm thankful for some of our extended church family who recently helped us with, an, with boy, I'm getting tongue-tied, helped us with an update uh, of our church logo uh, we, as we seek to visually express our, our vision. Because we, we are passionate about knowing Christ and making Him known by helping people connect with Christ, grow in faith, and love our God. And so several months ago, I asked Abby Brokaw, who's one of our young adults that's, that's uh, living in, um, I think she's in, Des- she was in Des Moines, she's moving to Min- Minneapolis now. And so um, 
I'm thankful for how she's put that together. I'm just really pleased with the work that she did. And then we have a visual arts team that, that we're working with here in our church that's collaborating with Pastor Jared on, you know, how do we coordinate to make use of these tools? And, and, and what's amazing is we actually have people in different states that I think some of you here with us online that you don't live in Iowa. Uh, we have some who live on different continents that are joining us for our worship services. Different continents that are involved in DeWitt Evangelical Free Church and that we are ministering to them and, and vice versa. And uh, what an encouragement to see how that ministry, those ministry opportunities grow and change. And we want to represent our Lord in these different formats, even the ones that I have no idea what they're called. Uh, we want to make sure that we're representing our Savior like we're doing in every area of ministry with excellence. And so I appreciate how those of us with a great variety of different gifts given to them by the Holy Spirit, are using what God has given to us in various teams. In various ministries across all kinds of different opportunities where we're serving our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as we prayerfully seek to understand where Jesus is leading us to serve, as the Lord opens up doors for us to serve people in eastern Iowa and around the world, whether it's older generations or newer generations and even those that haven't been born yet, I'd like to ask you to continue to pray with us as we serve our Lord together. And that you continue to pray how you might serve alongside the body. How you might represent Him and be an image bearer in the work of the church and the use of the gifts that He's given to you specifically. Again, this next phase is not going to be easy. There will be uncertainty. There will be disagreements. There will be confusion. Some will make mistakes. There's going to be people who wrong you, people that offend you. Ministry is challenging sometimes. But as we anticipate these challenges, put on the new self that's being renewed in His image. Put on love. Put on patience. Put on humility. Choose forbearance. Choose forgiveness. Choose kindness and hospitality. Don't speak evil of each other. One of my favorites, let us outdo one another. It's competition. Outdo one another. Paul commands us that. God commands you to outdo one another in showing brotherly kindness and honor. I say all this to draw your attention to the very practical truth that God has called us to serve as His representatives here on this earth. We are made in His image. We are as ambassadors. And as it was stated in Genesis chapter 1, we were created in His image. And our leadership has, has been con contemplating how we can better develop teams of God's people to serve alongside our elders and our deacons. We've been contemplating how we can better equip the saints to use the spiritual gifts and the natural talents to serve in the body of Christ. I want to ask you to help us with this. This day draws near. The day draws near and we are all called to serve and work alongside one another as those who are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Recognizing that that our call as, as those who represent You, that, that that image has been marred. 
uh, even in our walk with you, sometimes that it's it's not what it looks like should look like. Each one of us, um, though we are being renewed in that image day by day, and as we look forward to the day when Jesus Christ returns, is our prayer that each day we would look more like Jesus. And as we look more look more like Jesus each day, oh Lord, that that we would reflect Your glory. For your name's sake. Father, I pray for our church. As, as your local church, DeWitt Evangelical Free Church, um, it's important that we, we would give consideration to how we're, we're doing that well and, and areas where we need to grow. And, and so, Father, I, I pray that as, as we work together, not only the leadership, the elders, the deacons, our pastors, our staff, not, not only... Uh, each of these individuals who oversee many of these different ministries, but, but Lord, as, as the teams that work with those, those elders and deacons, and, and as all of us who use our gifts in various ways in the church, might you be glorified in this church. I pray that Eastern Iowa would be a changed region as a result of your word going forth and, and, and all people hearing the word of God from this place. We pray for those that hear this message that they would respond to the truth, that you would remove the veil that is covering their faces and that the enemy has, has hidden the truth of the gospel and may your light shine into their lives as you use us. Lord, please glorify yourself as we go out from here. It's in Jesus' name we pray.